Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. AINC programming is brought to you in part by Weissman Family Dental in Boulder, Colorado. For over 25 years, Weissman Family Dental has been providing high-quality dentistry. They offer regular checkups, emergency care, and a wide range of specialty services. They also have staff that speak Spanish. If you are looking for a new dentist, find them at WeissmanFamilyDental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them Audio Information Network of Colorado sent you. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, August 31, 2023 reading of the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. News, a case study in consensus. Neighbors and developers use collaborative process to seek middle ground on future of Longmont's Bone Farm by Kaylee Harder, August 31, 2023. It's a sunny Saturday morning, and some 20 people have gathered at the Isaac Walton Clubhouse in Longmont to discuss the hotly debated development of a piece of property in the historic Bone Farm neighborhood. But the scene plays out more like a group project at the library than an angry lot of citizens at a town hall. Neighbors, developers, and industry professionals are broken into small groups and huddle around tables, drawing up and modifying plans for a nearly six-acre plot at 1313 Spruce Avenue. Each group then presents their proposal to the whole collective. Participants are told to make a list of the ideas they like and that the rest of the suggestions will fall away. After the presentations are complete, the meeting's facilitator, Brian Dunbar, tells participants to write the top five recommendations they heard on post-it notes, which are then sorted into categories to find the areas of consensus. In one camp are those who want a high-density development with more than 70 units of housing as the region is in dire need of affordable stock. In the other camp are those who want no more than 46 units, citing concerns about parking, density, and preservation of neighborhood character. Quote, There's people here that really don't like the project, and yet now they're all working together to make it happen, Dunbar says. They're sitting right along with the architect. They're getting their ideas integrated in, but there's compromise happening. So it's the teamwork. All of a sudden, you feel like you're working on the same thing instead of being opposed. That's why this process is so wonderful, unquote. The presentations are the culmination of three charrettes, a collaborative meeting process designed to help opposing parties reach a consensus. The neighbors have spent Friday evening and much of the day Saturday working through conceptual plans for the development, with some participants saying they clocked more than 20 hours of work during three charrettes. Although the Saturday meeting becomes charged at times, several neighbors say they left feeling encouraged. 
Some say they feel the process was disingenuous, while others say lack of participation from members of the group favoring lower density hindered the process. Quote, whenever you talk constructively, it's never a loss, unquote, says Ted O'Neill, a participant who favors lower density, adding that he was encouraged by participation from the lead developer, Mark Young, and his team. Quote, showing good faith is really key in this because there's so much suspicion and criticism. It's so much easier to criticize than to be positive, unquote. After a nearly six-hour meeting on August 23, Longmont's Planning and Zoning Commission voted to recommend the approval of the developer's concept plan to City Council. The concept plan allows for up to 70 units, the same number as the originally submitted concept, with an added transition zone of two-story single-family and duplex units along the northern and eastern bounds of the property, which developers say will likely limit the total number of units. Shaquille Dalal, a Bone Farm resident who favors higher-density development, calls the charrettes, quote, temperature-lowering, unquote. While he ultimately wants, wanted more units, Dalal said during the public comment of the planning and zoning meeting that he believes, quote, reaching consensus requires compromise, unquote. Checking our egos at the door. Dunbar, executive director at Colorado State University's Institute for the Built Environment, has facilitated charrettes for more than 30 years and says he's had only a few projects, quote, as contentious, unquote, as the development at Bone Farm. Boulder County is no stranger to development debates. Bone Farm is just the latest deeply contentious iteration. In a city where owner-occupied housing averages just under half a million dollars, with a population that's grown by more than 12,000 since 2010, according to census data, it's hardly surprising that development is a hot-button issue. Jennifer Hewitt Apperson, Longmont's principal city planner, says she's not aware of other projects in the city that have used a community-centered charrette process. She says it's, quote, prompted a lot of discussion and some good ideas and could be a local tool for future large-scale projects. Drew Sorrells, a Bone Farm neighbor and interior designer, organized the Tourette's with her husband, the couple were initially part of the Bone Farm neighborhood group fighting for lower density and began acting as liaisons between the community group, the developers, and industry professionals. Sorrells says they later decided to work independently of the neighborhood group after learning, quote, things that the neighborhood was fighting for, like lower density, we learned from those professionals it's not going to fly because we need more housing and the city wants more housing, unquote. Quote, we basically decided that the only way we're going to bring unity in this community was to bring all of us together, she says. There's a sense we're all kind of checking our egos at the door 
we're going to come in and see if all of us can compromise a little bit." Unquote. The top categories of consensus that emerge from the post-it note exercise in the Charette include walkability, having the park on the west side, green space, and affordability. There's also consensus on offering live workspaces within the neighborhood. Quote, here is a non-evasive exercise trying to see what the opposites have in common. Instead of personalizing the process, we're trying to make it impersonal and collective, unquote, Sorrell says. Something we haven't had before. The conceptual site plan favored by Charette participants, which was later presented at the planning and zoning meeting, has a park located on the west side of the development to serve the whole neighborhood and a Wooner design that mixes street use, effectively forcing cars to go five miles per hour. It creates pockets of play areas for kids and three walking paths throughout the development. As per city regulations, 12% of the development's approximately 60 units would be affordable. Those units would be mixed throughout the property's simple pitched roof architecture, something many Tourette's participants agreed fit the character of the neighborhood. Quote, we did actually come up with a concept that we can agree on, O'Neill says, and that's something we haven't had before, unquote. Young, the Boulder-based developer, said the, in the planning and zoning meeting he liked the group's plan better than his initial plan. While he's been involved in charrettes for other developments before, this is his first that's involved community members. Quote, I've heard from a lot of people in the community and design professionals that there are ways to make the site more inviting and create a more cohesive atmosphere in the community, Young says. We're going to implement those. We're going to do the best we can to make sure that as we develop the site, we develop it with those ideas in mind, unquote. Still, some neighbors are unhappy with the Charette's outcome and the concept plan. Quote, I wish I could report to you that this effort was worthwhile, it was not, unquote, said Cheryl Carter Pierce, a Bone Farm resident in favor of lower density during the planning and zoning meeting. Quote, we are left with a bad feeling and a loss of trust, unquote. Carter Pierce said she was disappointed by the lack of certain stipulations and that the concept plan was submitted before the end of the final charrette. For Young, the biggest hurdle ahead will be whether the conceptual site plan from the Charette is feasible from an engineering and code perspective. He cited community members' inexperience and misunderstandings about code and processes as challenges with the Charettes, but says it ultimately allows residents to engage in a process they wouldn't typically be involved in, making the project, quote, better than it was when we started, unquote. Jerry Boone, 
a planning and zoning commissioner who voted to approve the concept plan, said in the August 23 meeting she was disappointed in members of the neighborhood group who were, quote, not as open, unquote. While the Bone Farm neighborhood group has more than 200 members, only a few attended the Charettes, making it challenging to reach true consensus. Boone said she thought the Charettes showed, quote, good faith, unquote, by the developer. Quote, the presentation you made tonight is so much more compatible than the prior presentation, she said. You can't have affordability without density. You just can't, unquote. The project still has several rounds of approval before construction can begin, and maybe more Charettes. First, it will move to City Council with a reading of the ordinance on September 26, then a public hearing and a vote by Council on October 10. If approved, the plan will go through the preliminary plat process, which requires planning and zoning commission approval, followed by site, public plat, and public improvement plans, which require staff review. Young says he hopes construction can begin by early summer 2024, and he's confident he can change the minds of neighbors who are still wary of the development. Quote, time heals all wounds, he says. Keep an eye on the project. It'll surprise them. And when it's done a couple of years from now, everybody will be happy with it. Unquote. News. Now You Know, August 31, 2023, by Boulder Weekly Staff. Boulder helps middle-income residents buy homes. A new pilot project launched by the City of Boulder aims to increase affordable housing stock for middle-income community members. The Middle Income Down Payment Association excuse me, the Middle Income Down Payment Assistance Pilot Program offers a zero-interest second mortgage up to $200,000 or 30% of the home's sale price, whichever is less, for households with an income limited to 120% of area median income. Quote, This is an excellent way for middle-income families to purchase a home in Boulder. Unquote said council member Bob Yates in a press release. Quote, We have folks who work in Boulder but who can't afford to have their families live here. The voters overwhelmingly approved this down payment assistance program in 2019. I'm happy that we are finally able to launch the program so that middle-income families can enjoy the benefits of living in Boulder. Unquote. Applicants must complete the city's orientation and homebuyer education class, occupy the home, and repay the loan after 15 years. Houses must be market rate, within city limits, and maximum price of $1.3 million for a single-family home and nearly $550,000 for a condo or townhome. The average home in Boulder is $990,000, according to Zillow. Realtor.com reports a median sold home price of $1.1 million. New RTD program allows youth 
to just hop on board. All RTD services will be free for people ages 19 and younger from September 1, 2023 through August 31, 2024. No tickets are needed, just a valid student or government-issued ID. The year-long Zero Fare for Youth program was approved after RTD's most recent fare study and equity analysis recommended the program. Quote, This pilot program inspires youth to be environmentally-minded citizens at a young age, and it builds good transit habits that can be sustained for life, unquote. RTD CEO Deborah A. Johnson said in an August 8 press release. Common Boulder Municipal Airport FAQs answered. The city is holding community conversation sessions to understand residents' visions for the nearly 100-year-old Boulder Municipal Airport. The conversation won't result in a plan, rather a recommendation for city council, which will then make a decision. The city has developed four scenarios that illustrate a, quote, high-level view of possibilities for the future of the airport site, unquote, that range from minimal changes to decommissioning and developing a new neighborhood. There are still hoops to jump through before decisions are made, in part because the city has to fulfill grant assurances from the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, for the next 20 years. Because of that, it's unlikely anything drastic will happen to the airport for years. City staff recently answered questions to help council consider its options. Here are some of the hot-button issues. On leaded fuel, elimination of leaded aviation fuel seems to be imminent, but there's still a question of when. The FAA wants to eliminate leaded gas by 2030, but the organization has made it clear that it's illegal for local airports to ban leaded fuel on their own. The Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, is currently investigating lead emissions from aircraft, the findings of which will likely turn the FAA's 2030 elimination goal into a deadline. With this expectation in mind, the city of Boulder anticipates unleaded aviation fuel to arrive at the airport within five years. According to the FAA, more than 220,000 registered piston engine aircraft operate on leaded avgas containing tetraethyl lead, which prevents engine damage and is more than a dollar cheaper per gallon than unleaded aviation fuel. Aircraft at the Boulder Airport mostly use 100 low-lead aviation fuel, but the World Health Organization says there is no known safe level of lead exposure. The city will have to work with the Colorado Department of Public Health, Boulder County Public Health, and a consultant to test nearby residents' lead exposure, a process not yet initiated. On noise, restraints on noise are elective through a voluntary noise abatement program. The city cannot enforce a noise abatement. 
While the city has no data on community members impacted by noise, it's common to hear complaints from people living near the airport. On revenue, all airport revenue collected from lease payments and fuel sold returned to the airport fund for operations and maintenance. According to the city, the Boulder Airport garners about $800,000 in lease payments and fuel sales annually. That dollar amount does not cover the full cost to operate the airport, so the city is reliant on state and federal grants. On repurposing the airport, the city has engaged in initial conversations with the FAA about repurposing or decommissioning the airport, the most extreme scenario for the facility. So how does the city proceed if retiring the facility is the best path forward? First, the city of Boulder must stop accepting Airport Improvement Program Grants, AIP. After that, it must maintain the airport at its own expense through the duration of federal obligations from previous grants received. The city has accepted about $12 million in AIP grants over the last 20 years. Two decades after the last accepted AIP, the city would file notice of closure of the airport. The timeline of the following litigation is uncertain. The city doesn't have a dollar amount for repaying land purchases to the FAA or grant obligations, which could be necessary for decommissioning the airport. City staff will bring that information to council in early 2024. In case you missed it, it's that time of year the buffs are back, and so is the traffic, but we love our collegiate residents. Students started classes on August 28. SCO buffs. The first shipment of threatened and endangered birdwing butterflies from the Butterfly Pavilions BP farm in Sumatra, Indonesia, arrived at the Westminster facility last week. It's the latest in BP's work to uphold global biodiversity and conservation. Head to butterflies.org to plan a visit to the local insect zoo. Boulderites over 18, register for the city's second round of e-bike vouchers, bit.ly slash e-bike vouchers. Applications are open from August 30 to September 13 at 5 p.m. Discounts range from $300 to $1,400 depending on voucher. Several Boulder, Boulder County orgs will receive state grant funding to develop clean energy transportation through the Colorado Electric School Bus Grant Program and the Clean Fleet Vehicle and Technology Grant Program. Recipients in the area include BVSD, CU Boulder, Western Disposal, and the City of Boulder. Longmont City Council approved a series of ordinances in its August, 2020, August 22 meeting, increasing the city's budget for the seventh time for 2023 by appropriating an additional $11 million for six different funds. 
Longmont's total 2023 budget is now more than $660.3 million. For comparison, Boulder's 2023 budget is $513.5 million. A ballot issue dealing with funding an arts and entertainment center. Another ballot issue about financing city libraries, including a new branch. And a third ballot issue focusing on capitalization for construction of a recreation center at Dry Creek Community Park and affordable housing in partnership with the YMCA. Coming up, the Longmont Green Party is hosting a meeting to strategize securing livable wages for Colorado workers. Economic Justice Call to Action, Saturday, September 2, 3 to 4 p.m. RSVP by emailing longmontgreenparty at gmail.com. Kids ages 3 through 12 living within the city limits of Longmont are eligible for th free swim lessons through the city's recreation services. The program is sponsoring 200 beginner sessions. Applications are processed on a first-come, first-served basis through December 2023. You can apply at bit.ly slash Longmont Swim Lessons. Opinion Letters by Readers Like You, August 31, 2023. A Double Endorsement I am excited about the mayoral race this year because for the first time in our city's history, we will be electing our mayor. But this is also a difficult race for me because my friends and colleagues who I have worked with for years are vying for the same position. Throughout my life, when I had to make hard decisions, I tried to weigh the good and the bad to find the middle ground. In this year's election for mayor, I am not sure if I have found a middle ground by endorsing both Mayor Aaron Brockett and Councilmember Nicole Spear. Nonetheless, here is why I have endorsed both, respectively. I am deeply grateful for all the work of Mayor Brockett. We have traversed tough and challenging times together as colleagues, and we have overcome so much, especially during the COVID pandemic. He has been tested throughout his mayoral tenure. Further, Mayor Brockett is someone I can call any time, no matter the subject and no matter how hard the conversation. As for Councilmember Nicole Spear, we have an opportunity to elect our first woman mayor. After all, the way we start our mayoral election journal journey matters. I have worked with Councilmember Nicole Spear for two years. I know her to be kind and compassionate. She is authentic and strives to lead with empathy. She advocates for our community members' physical safety and mental health, regardless of race or socioeconomics. Councilmember Spear has not wavered in her support to protect all community members from the day I met her as a work colleague. She is consistent in her values. I believe as your mayor, Nicole Spear will deliver on her promises because past behavior 
is a predictor of future behavior. She will advocate for us all. From Junie Joseph, Boulder City Council member and state representative for House District 10. Colorado needs rodeo veterinarian law. California boasts one of the few comprehensive rodeo laws in the country, Penal Code 596.7, enacted in 2000. It requires either an on-site or on-call veterinarian at all rodeos and chariadas, Mexican-style rodeos. The law also restricts the use of electric prods and requires that injury reports be submitted to the State Veterinary Medical Board. Colorado, home of the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, PRCA, has no such law and should be setting an example for others to follow. Note that 13 states have outlawed the Chariada's brutal horse-tripping event, including Nebraska, which has also banned steer-tailing. Colorado should do likewise. The PRCA estimates that some 5,000 to 10,000 rodeos are held annually in the U.S., the overwhelming majority of which have no vet requirement. The PRCA, which sanctions some 600 rodeos, has required on-site vets only since 1996, after five animals were killed at the 1995 California Rodeo Salinas. The Smaller International Professional Rodeo Association, IPRA, has no such rule. This needs to change. Racetracks, horse shows, and endurance rides all require on-site veterinarians, so should all rodeos and chariadas. For most of these animals, the rodeo arena is merely a detour en route to the slaughterhouse. They and we deserve better. State legislation is in order. Let your representatives hear from you. From Eric Mills, Coordinator, Action for Animals, Oakland, California. Cuisine. Good taste. Love makes all the difference. Indian Bites is making some of Colorado's best Asian subcontinent cuisine by Colin Wren, August 24, 2023. When Gitanjali Shrestha moved from Pokhara, Nepal to Longmont in 2007, she wasn't quite sure what she was going to do. Up until then, she'd been working in hospitality, most recently as the public relations manager at the Shangri-La Village, one of Pokhara's most prestigious five-star resorts. Gitanjali grew up cooking. Quote, I had a passion. I'd take hours in the kitchen as much to impress myself as to impress others, unquote, she says. Even as her career took her along the front of house and client relations course, she still kept an interest in cooking. Quote, At Shangri-La, I'd walk into the kitchen and get the cooks to teach me the dishes. Unquote. When Gitanjali arrived in America, one of her first impulses was to open a restaurant. Quote, I didn't have a lot of money when I moved here, but I had a lot of courage, Unquote, she says, 
adding that she almost opened a spot in Louisville in 2008. Instead, she started working as a certified nursing assistant and spent four years doing end-of-life care before opening her own home care company, Helping Angels. In 2011, quote, it was hard, but I'm so glad I learned, unquote, she says. Helping Angels is still up and running. So for Gitanjali, the 2022 opening of Indian Bites in one of Longmont's many strip malls had been a long time coming. She launched the eatery with her husband, Bhaskar Shrestha, who had moved stateside from Kathmandu in January 2021. The two had met a few years earlier at a party at Bhaskar's restaurant, Goduli, a cozy spot in the Nepalese capital. Bhaskar had owned and operated for the better part of a decade. Quote, the food was so good it almost made me cry, unquote, said, says Gitanjali. Indian Bites is a family affair. Gitanjali handles the dining room with grace, while Bhaskar turns out scratch-made Indian and Nepalese classics. Gitan Gitanjali's mom, Ranjana, and her brother, Sudhir, are also common features both up front and in the kitchen. Quote, It took years, but here we are, says Gitanjali, beaming. As an immigrant, it takes time to learn the system, unquote. Before opening Indian Bites, Gitanjali and Bhaskar were serving similar dishes from the Hurry for Curry food truck, which is still in operation under the direction of her brother, Biswant. Much of the menu is made up of the kind of stuff Bhaskar used to serve at Goduli, with a few alterations and concessions being added for Western palates. Quote, Americans and Europeans like the creamy stuff, says Gitanjali, in traditional Nepalese cooking, there's not a lot of cream, unquote. The menu is broken down into sections, which include masala, korma, curry, sag, vindaloo, jalfrezi, madras, and kahari, all of which are available with the choice of chicken, shrimp, lamb, and fish. The signature entrees also feature a festive interpretation of butter chicken. Don't leave without getting the paneer pakora, a dish of brightly colored cheese curds largely distinguishable from their Wisconsin cousins by the presence of a house-made mint chutney served alongside instead of ketchup or ranch. Quote, we make our food with love, and that makes a huge difference, says Gitanjali. I am literally one mile from my home. Longmont is home. I love this community, unquote. Gitanjali says Indian Bites came from a shared fantasy between her and Bhaskar, one that was discussed throughout their courtship. Quote, this is almost like a dream come true to find a soulmate, unquote, she says. It also doesn't hurt that sauces are all made fresh daily with spice blends that Bhaskar has been honing through the course of his life. The smell of freshly, freshly ground cumin and coriander seed being added to the simmering pots can be picked up from down the block. 
The house-made chai is also a must, arriving fresh from a cauldron Gitanjali prepares each morning. Dishes arrive in heaping portions and are most sensibly eaten with a helping of garlic naan. Quote, we are not stingy, unquote, Gitanjali says with a smile. Quote, our customers deserve the best, unquote. Gitanjali says that while she's happy to see Indian Bites take off, she has no intention of stopping here. Quote, we are really interested in Estes Park, unquote. Cuisine, nibbles, blood, sweat, and cheers. Chefs and cooks offer a slice of reality about life in Boulder's back of house. By John Lendorf, August 31, 2023. Before my career in culinary journalism, I was a Boulder restaurant cook. I was burned by hot fryer oil, injured in walk-in freezers, sliced off fingerprints, and dripped until my sweat ran dry. I also learned the nature of omelets, soups, and sauces, and the drug-like high of feeding a crowd of people from a tiny kitchen. It was addictive, but always came at a cost. Two things have always seemed true to me as a cook and a critic. Most people have no idea what actually happens in restaurant kitchens to make those hot, crispy onion rings arrive promptly at your table. Waiters, bartenders, and hosts get most of the glory and the money, not the easy-to-blame cooks and dishwashers hidden in the, quote, back of the house, unquote. In honor of Labor Day, Boulder Weekly gave local chefs and cooks some space to talk ab about the ups and downs of Boulder kitchen work in their own words. Zach Amadeus, it's more like a pack of wolves. Zach Amadeus is a culinary artisan at Colorado's Dark Steel Gastro Arts Catering. Amadeus has cooked at the Boulder Dushanbe Tea House and Spice of Life Catering. Quote, there's a lot the public doesn't see and can't comprehend. You button up your chef coat as you enter the kitchen. You have a huge dedication to your crew, but it's more like a pack of wolves. Somehow this wolf pack pulls it together to do all the work required to execute an astonishing meal that appears in front of each guest. The diners imagine a magical red button that produces food instantaneously. Salaried restaurant chef-like can take everything you have and crumble it into the fire. The sound of the machine spitting out order tickets keeps you up at night. With catering, I've cooked in castles, mansions, nightclubs, wildlife preserves, and backstage at music festivals. And I fed Harrison Ford, Jack Johnson, the governor, and Fat Joe. I found catering to be way more rewarding." Unquote. Tony Hessel, Knife Wounds, Burns, and Bad Knees. Tony Hessel is the executive chef at Brasserie 1010 in Boulder. He has run kitchens at West Flanders Brewing Company, Pour la France, Via Perla, and other restaurants. He crafted the famous happy hour menu at the now-closed Mediterranean restaurant. Quote, I'm 59 now. 
I was at work at 2 a.m. today to bake bread for service, even though we also get bread from a bakery. I also make all the pastries, but I'm happy every day when I get up. It's the career that I wanted since I was a kid. I'm the insane one who's still doing it because I like the kitchen. When you're young, you work 18-hour shifts and two jobs because you're going to live forever. In my late 40s, I had a heart attack, a wake-up call that you cannot push yourself 24-7, 365 days a year. Nowadays, I have to physically maintain my body to work my shifts. Over the years, there have also been knife wounds, burns, bad knees, and a dislocated ankle. Most customers don't understand that they're just one of many customers waiting on food from the kitchen. They don't see the line of tickets or hear all the screaming and yelling. When people come back to see me, they are always surprised how hot and small the kitchen is. Customers are unaware of the dance, that it takes nine people working 12 hours to put together your food. People work sick, people work injured, and accidents happen on almost a daily basis in a kitchen. When they complain about prices, guests don't know that every food purveyor adds a fuel charge to my order just to show up in my back door. It may be just a plate of fries, but Kennebec potatoes, which used to be $30, is now $70 a case. Luckily, our regulars are the most wonderful people in the world. Unquote. Paolo Neville it's where I feel most at home. Chef Paolo Neville is the owner of Lafayette's Urban Hot Dog Collective and has run kitchens at 95A Bistro, Brasserie 1010, and The Med. Quote, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Working in kitchens, there is a constant timeline on everything you do, whether it's getting ready for service or keeping the ticket times fast in the middle of a rush. If I'm methodical, it can be smooth and easy. One downside of a chef's life is I've lost touch with old friends because I'm always busy nights and weekends. The kitchen for me is my safe space and healing place. It's just where I feel most at home." Unquote. A very strange time for restaurants. One longtime Boulder chef agreed to share their experiences anonymously. Quote, I think it is a very strange time for restaurants. It's a tough business with labor and food costs through the roof, along with more regulations. For customers, the tipping thing is very confusing with all the additional fees on your bill. I don't think it's the customer's job to think about who gets paid what. Unquote. John Hinman, watching a customer take that first bite. John Hinman is the owner and head baker at Hinman Pie. He was a pastry chef at Roy's Vesta Dipping Grill and The Post in Lafayette. Quote, the best thing about cooking and baking is watching a customer take that first bite and catching the thought on their face when they taste something for the first time. The worst thing is when that face makes a sour look. I do wish customers appreciated the hours required to source ingredients and produce the dish. Sometimes people say, 
you know what you should do? And my reply is always, you should buy my company and may you may do whatever you like, unquote. James Van Dyke, buy the dirt. James Van Dyke is the former owner-chef of the Gateway Cafe in Lyons and has worked as a chef at Lucky's Cafe, Greenbrier Inn, and other eateries from New York City to Japan. Quote, Sadly, I physically can't work in a kitchen any longer, but I will forever be grateful for the traveling opportunities and friends I made along the way. So many wonderful, loyal guests supporting me. My advice to new chefs entering the business is to never stop learning, study the classics, and always have a plan B. If your dream is to open your own place, buy the dirt, unquote. John Lendorf cooked in numerous Boulder eateries, including the Greenbrier Inn, Café Circolo, Potter's, Good Taste Crepe Shop, Alpha Phi Sorority, and Savory Spice Catering. Entertainment, Arts and Culture, Sightlines, August 31, 2023, Boulder County Arts and Culture News at a Glance by Boulder Weekly Staff. We love our local culture scene here in Boulder County. That's why we're bringing you a roundup of goings-on in the world of performing and visual arts, film, music, and more. Here's a snapshot of what's happening locally so you don't have to miss a beat. California Love. Paradise Found expands to the Golden State. Boulder's only music store dedicated exclusively to the sale of new and used albums will soon open a second location in Petaluma, California. Paradise Found Records and Music is set to launch its new Bay Area storefront in early September. Quote, We went through something like eight or ten locations, all not working out for whatever reason. Unquote. Vinyl buyer Patrick Selvage says of the year-long hunt for the Boulder-born shop's West Coast digs, quote, and then we finally found this place, which was perfect, unquote. The new 1,400-square-foot store in downtown Petaluma is the first expansion for Paradise Found, with sales surging after the pandemic start, sparked new interest in vinyl, Owner Will Paradise, a former Bay Area resident who bought the Boulder store, formerly known as Bart's Record Shop, in 2016, said, Now is the right time. And crucially, California co shop co-owner David Lannon is the right partner. Quote, I'm thrilled to have the store in Boulder. I don't need to open any more stores, Paradise says. But David and I have been friends for so long, and we both share a passion for music. If it was anybody else, I wouldn't be doing it, unquote. After traveling from the Golden State to the Pearl Street shop for Record Store Day events and other regular visits throughout the year, Lannon says running the new location is an opportunity to build on the success of a beloved local brand by bringing it to a new corner of the map. Quote, we're anxious to open and recreate that feeling of paradise found in Boulder. 
Unquote. Lannan says of the Petaluma store's in, in, imminent launch, quote, but we understand we have to earn it with each customer every day, unquote. Shift change. Longmont Museum launches $8.1 million capital campaign with new director. After more than 25 years with the organization, longtime curator of history Eric Mason has been named the new director of the Longmont Museum. The announcement comes alongside the launch of an $8.1 million capital campaign for the local cultural institution. Quote, the expression is about more than bricks and mortar, Mason said in an August 23 press release. It's about making the museum more responsive to our community, unquote. The fundraising push follows years of community input surrounding the needs of the facility launched in 1940 as a small exhibition space inside the city's historic Callahan House. Goals include a new children's gallery, along with an expanded primary exhibition room, renovated courtyard, and more office space. The museum has raised 80% of its goal, according to the Capital Campaign's website. The project is in its initial permitting phase, and the full expansion is estimated to be completed by early 2026. Support the campaign by scanning the QR code associated with this news item. The Right Notes Boulder Symphony and Music Academy establishes $250,000 endowment with anonymous donation. The sounds just got sweeter at Boulder Symphony and Music Academy, BS&MA, which recently announced the establishment of a $250,000 endowment through an anonymous donation. With a goal of increasing contributions to $2 million, the organization hopes to use the endowment to strengthen its educational initiatives and artistic endeavors while providing sustainable support for core operations. Quote, The anonymous donor's extraordinary contribution reflects a deep commitment to the arts and recognizes the invaluable role of BS and MA in enriching the cultural landscape of the community, unquote, the organization wrote in a July 27 press release. Quote, this endowment will serve as a substantial resource to support the organization's ongoing efforts in providing exceptional musical education and performances for all, unquote. Art in the Open Lions expands public sculpture collection. In the wake of the devastating 2013 Boulder County floods, a groundswell of community pride and resiliency bolstered the momentum of an outdoor art project in the hard-hit town of Lyons. Now, the Lyons Art and Humanities Commission, LAHC, has announced the addition of 14 new sculptures to the city's Hearts of Lions Outdoor Art Collection. Newcomers to the townwide program include works by Colorado artists Charlotte and Ben Zink, Sue Quinlan, Kevin Schaffer, Steve Buduo, 
Parker McDonald, Justin Deister, Jonathan Corson Reichert, Kirk Cease, and the late Bill Vielher. Their installations can be found at locations throughout Lyons, including Main Street, Highway 66, Bone Park, and Laverne M. Johnson Park. Find more information regarding LAHC's 2024 Call for Artists, along with an interactive map with details about the public works currently on display. Visit townoflions.com slash 668 slash hearts dash of dash lions. Got local art news? Email BW Culture Editor Jesse J. Gray at jgray, J-G-R-A-Y, at boulderweekly.com. Events. Palisade Peaches Sale. Saturday, September 2, 2023. Also Friday, September 1, September Sunday, September 3, and Monday, September 4. Broomfield High School. One Eagle Way in Broomfield. 720-561-8100. Price $30 to $55. Dis- Fresh Colorado peaches from Palisade are being brought to you once again by the Broomfield High School Family and Consumer Science Department, FACS. 20-pound boxes of fresh Colorado peaches will be sold for $55 each. One-half boxes are available for $30 each. To pre-order your peaches, complete the order form and payment linked below https colon slash slash bit dot ly bhs dash peaches 2021 payment must be received to reserve peaches with for questions email kaylin stover that's k-a-i-l-e-n dot stover s-t-o-v-e-r at bvsd dot org quantities are limited Events, Global Meditation in Place, Sunday, September 3, 9 to 10 a.m., also Sunday, September 10, 9 to 10 a.m., virtual. From Science of Spirituality in Longmont, free, virtual event. Join Sant Rajinder Singh Ji Maharaj for a streamed Global Meditation in Place event. The program is attended by thousands of people from around the world as they come together to meditate for spiritual growth and inner peace. No need to register. Simply go to the following page to add it to your calendar and to view it in real time. www.sos.org slash sant, S-A-N-T, dash, Rajinder, R-A-J-I-N-D-E-R, dash, Singh, S-I-N-G-H, slash, global, dash, meditation. Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.